0: John chapter 3. And then we'll, we'll, we'll stop there in uh, Numbers chapter 21. But we're going to begin in John chapter 3. We've got to look some stuff over. Starting in John chapter 3. John chapter 3. Of course, this uh, Gospel of John chapter 3 is a straight, the great story of the Nicodemus and how Nicodemus came to ask Jesus Christ how Basically, what we would say, how to get saved. And Jesus Christ told him, you must, you must be born again. And Nicodemus, of course, was confused by that and didn't understand the spiritual talk that the Lord was giving him. And as we're going through our study of Galatians on Wednesday nights, if you have a chance to come up here on Wednesday nights, we're going through a study on Galatians. It's been pretty good. And what Paul's been hammering home in the book of Galatians about the spiritual side is spiritual, it's spiritual, it's spiritual. And not the physical, but there's something spiritual going on. And so it gets to, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, he gets down to verse 14. Look down at verse 14 of the Gospel of John. John chapter 3, John chapter 3, verse 14. And this is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ speaking. Look at what he says here. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have Eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. What a wonderful set of scripture there. As he tells us why God sent Jesus Christ. God sent Jesus Christ in this world not to condemn y'all or me. He sent the, Jesus Christ in here to save y'all. And want you saved. And why did he do that? Because verse 16. He loved you. He so loved you. He so loved you that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth, it's a believing, believing in Jesus Christ, should not perish but have everlasting life. But I want to go back up to verse 14. Verse 14, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just come to you humbly, Lord, and I pray, Father, you bless this preaching, Lord God. I pray it be your preaching, not mine. Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit will lead us and guide us. Lord, I pray, Father, that... As we go through the rest of this service, Lord God, that Jesus Christ is glorified and lifted up in every way, Lord. And I pray that you're welcome in this room, Lord God. I pray you come and fellowship with us, Lord God. Come and sit with us, Lord. Uh, you might not be welcome in a lot of places in America, Lord, but you're welcome this morning in this room, Lord God. And we want to hear from you, Lord. We want to we know you're here, Lord. We want you to move among us, Lord God, through your Holy Spirit. And i pray praying all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So if you see this story that Jesus is talking about, he says, as Moses Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, when did that happen? When did Moses lift up a serpent in the wilderness? Because we know at the end of verse 14, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. We know when Jesus Christ was lifted up. He was lifted up when he was nailed on a cross on Calvary to die for mine and your sins. We know that. But if Jesus Christ is using the illustration, if Jesus Christ is using the description of the story of Moses lifting up a serpent in the wilderness, I think it's a pretty good idea that we study that out and find out what happened with Moses and the serpent in the wilderness. Let's turn to Numbers chapter 21. Let's turn to Numbers chapter 21 now. And let's look at this story together this morning. That's what we're going to do. Numbers chapter 21, we're going to look at this story together, and we're going to find out what happened with Moses and the serpent in the wilderness. What is Jesus Christ referring to? Jesus Christ was the greatest preacher to ever live. Not only was Jesus Christ the greatest teacher, but he was by far the greatest preacher to ever live. If you don't know how to preach, go and watch Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ, when he was preaching, he'd refer back to the Old Testament. He'd refer back to the parables. He'd refer back to stories. And this is one of them. And this is a great story of what happened with Moses and the nation of Israel. So they were, they were in bondage to Egypt, in Egypt, in bondage to Pharaoh. And God heard their cry of bondage. They wanted out, so God sent Moses and Moses through miracles and brought them out and brought them out of Egypt. And they crossed the Red Sea on dry ground. And they looked about, and there's Pharaoh, and the Red Sea swallowed up Pharaoh and his army. And God told Moses to tell them, you'll see them no more. Egypt's done with. And I'm going to lead you to the promised land. I got a land that I promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, your forefathers. I'm going to go give you that land. I promised it to them. I'm taking you to it. So they were going to go to that land. Where and when they got into the wilderness... They started griping. They started complaining. They started murmuring. They started not liking the way things were going. They're like, man, I wish we were back in Egypt because we had onions and garlic in Egypt. And boy, do I miss those onions and garlic that we had. They started forgetting about the bondage they were under and how they were crying out to God to be released as slaves. And they started thinking, I think I'd rather go back and be under bondage and so I could have the garlic. And they were complaining and murmuring, so God sent them manna down from heaven. It was bread from heaven as it would come down, and they could eat that. And he'd send them quail. He was sending them water out of the rock to feed them and to water them. He was taking care of them, but they were still murmuring and complaining. So look at verse 4. Numbers chapter 21, verse 4. And they journeyed from Mount Hor. By the way of the Red Sea, to come past the land of Edom, and the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. So Let me stop there. Do you get discouraged by the way you're going? Do you get discouraged when you get up every morning and you just look at it? It's an endless battle. You're just discouraged. Brothers and sisters, take heart. There's an end to all of this world, and that end is a heavenly home and a mansion. There's an end to this. And then what happens with the what happens in this world is we get to struggling and we get discouraged because it's a battle fighting sin. It's a battle trying to be holy. It's a battle we're we're fighting against the stream of the world. The world's going this way broad is a way in destruction, and we're trying to go the narrow way. And the world's just pushing against us, and it feels like you're just swimming upstream. And you look at the world, and things are going so much easier if I would just turn around and go with the world. But let, let me hear you. Let me let me tell you something. Stick with it, stay with it, because in the end, it's going to be worth it in the end. It's all going to be worth it in the end. But they were getting discouraged because he was taking them to the promised land, which would be our heaven. He's trying to get them to the promised land, but the way is kind of discouraging. You know, the Lord God, one of my favorite verses of the Bible, the Lord God said, There's a way that seemeth right unto man, but the ends thereof are the ways of death. You got the right way, and Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You got the right way in Jesus Christ. But look at verse 5. And the people spake against God. They spake against God and against Moses. Wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water. And our soul loatheth this light bread. They started complaining to God. Well, you're out here trying to kill us. They were losing faith. They were... Doubting God. They were complaining about what God was doing. And that was a sin to God. God would, had just about enough of their complaining and belly aching and griping. And look at verse 6. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people. And they bit the people. And much people of Israel died. Wow. Fiery serpents. I don't know exactly what a fiery serpent is. I know it must biting them when they were dying. It's a great type, that fiery serpent's a great type of the devil. If you think about it, because the devil's called a dragon, like a fiery serpent. We don't know, we know it's a snake. You know it's a fiery snake, and it was coming along and biting all the people of Israel, and everybody was getting bit, they were dying. God, God got sick of them. That's how God works. You know, whenever Katrina come in there and hit New Orleans that held of a place called New Orleans and just flushed it like a toilet. Man, some preachers got up and some preachers started preaching. That's a judgment of God. And man, oh man, there were some people like Joel Steen. Oh no, God would never do that. God would never act that way. God would never do that. Well, you don't know my God. If you read your Bible, all the time he's sending whirlwinds and hurricanes and storms and serpents and lions and bears and hornets and bees to take care of people. All the time. That's how God works. He gets tired of a people. He gets tired of something. He sends somebody to take care of it. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people, Israel, died. It's all negative. Bad, negative. But I'm here to tell you this morning there's some good news. Verse 7. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned. We have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. So ask the Lord to take these serpents away. If they're biting us and people are dying, please have him take these serpents away from us. Verse 8. The Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent and set it upon a pole. And it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten, when he look upon it, shall live. So he says, Moses, I want you to take and I want you to take this serpent and make it out of brass. He's about to say, make it out of brass. And you take this brass serpent and you put it up on a pole. And you lift this pole up. And everybody that gets bit, when they're bit, if they'll look up on that serpent, they'll live. First thing I want to tell you, and I want you to notice about this verse is, he didn't take away the serpents. I always thought that was strange. Because they prayed and said, Lord, take away the serpents. The Lord said, well, I'm not going to take away the serpents, but I'll give you a way out. And I'll give you a cure. See, if this serpent, if this snake, if this thing is like sin, which everybody in this room has been bitten by sin, everybody in this room has been bitten by sin, if everybody's been bitten by sin, God says, I'm not taking away the sin right now, but I will give you a cure. And that cure is to look up on that pole, and when you look up on that pole, if you look up on that pole, you'll be saved. Jesus Christ said, just like Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so shall the Son of Man be lifted up. Nicodemus didn't understand what he's talking about. But what he's talking about, we know what he's talking about. Jesus Christ was lifted up as he was crucified, and the world needs to look to Jesus Christ for salvation. Verse 9, And Moses made a serpent of brass, and put it upon a pole, and it came to pass, that if a serpent had bitten any man, When he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. Praise God. Praise God. So how did they get saved? Jesus Christ told us to look back at Moses and the serpent on the pole. So how did they get saved? Let's break this down. How did they get saved? Well, first off, they had to know they were bitten. Verse 7, Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned. The first way you're going to get saved is you've got to know you've been bitten. you got to know you're a sinner. you got to know you need a Savior. you got to know that you've been bitten by sin. So the problem with the world is the world doesn't know they've been bitten. The world's been trying to figure this out. Why does man act that way? Why does a woman act that way? What breaks a man do that? What makes a woman do that? Well, the answer is simple. The Bible gives you the answer. It's a three-letter word called sin. And you got it, and I got it. And that's what causes it the world to be the way it is. So the first thing they need to know is you got to know you're a sinner. you got to know you're, just like I was reading this morning with the prison, whenever the uh, prisoners saw that girl had that seizure, what had happened to those prisoners? uh, Mrs. Henry said they got pretty attentive after that. (laughs) Why would they get attentive? Because it showed them the morality, the mortality of what's going on in their life. Hey, that could be me right there. That could be me. Second thing you need to know is they got to know if they get bitten by a snake, they got to know that there's a remedy. Right? It's one thing you're bitten, but you got to know that there's a place to go that you can be healed. They might have been bitten, but they might not know the remedy. They needed to know they had to go and look at the pole with the serpent on it, and they would be healed. If you look at ambulances running around, you look at a lot of medical offices. you ever seen that symbol? You'll see the symbol on the ambulances. Uh, just look at any ambulance, almost any ambulance, they'll have, a, they'll have the serpent on the pole. And what does that serpent on the pole mean? You'll see a pole, it'll be a stick, and it'll have a snake on it. What does that mean? What that means is healing. There's healing. That's a symbol for Healing. And that's what the cross means. When you see that cross, what does that symbol mean to a person? When a person sees that cross, that symbol, that cross represents, there's healing in the cross. And I'm not talking about physical healing this morning. I'm talking about spiritual healing. Hey, I can heal you and the doctors can heal you of all kinds of physical ailments, but only Jesus Christ can heal you of your spiritual ailments of the spiritual sin you have. That's, there's only one. There's only one pole. There's only one snake on a pole. There's only one Savior on a cross. His name is Jesus Christ. And you got to know there's a remedy. And they had to know there was a remedy. Verse 8, And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, set it on a pole, and it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten, you got to know you're bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. Moses had to tell them. Brothers and sisters, we're the Moseses. Every man and woman in here that's saved, you're the evangelist. You need to be out telling the world, hey, there's there's a healer. There's there's salvation. There's a way to be healed of that snake bitten. Of your sin, there's there's a place to go. And we need to be the ones telling them. It's up to us. It's not the world. It's not the devil's job. The world doesn't want anybody to know about it. It's our job to say, hey, there's a place to go if you'll just look up. You'll be saved. His name is Jesus Christ. You might be a Christian in here this morning. I know a lot of y'all are. Amen. Praise God. You might be a Christian in here and you're dealing with sin. Because remember, notice, he didn't take away the snakes. He just gave you a place to get healed. And maybe this week you've dealt with sin. Maybe this morning you've been dealing with sin. I deal with sin all the time, and you're dealing with sin. But what's the answer to that? Notice the answer to that is the answer to that is not to look at the snake bite. Not to look at the sin, but to look at the Savior. Not to put your focus on the sin. Not to put your focus, man, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have done that. No, the focus should be up on Jesus Christ. Keep your eyes on Jesus Christ. It's not enough to stop doing something. You've got to replace that with what you're thinking about not doing. It's the same it's a principle of, Hey, I'm, only, I'm not going to think about that. I'm not going to think about that. I'm not going to think about it. You don't want to think about something. So in your mind, you're like, I don't want to think about it. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to think about it. And what are you doing? You're doing nothing but thinking about it. Try not to think about it. Amen? The answer to that is very simple. The answer to that is, instead of thinking about that, you've got to replace it. Instead of thinking about the bad, Paul said. Paul says in Philippians, think on the good. Think on whatever's true, whatever's honest, whatever's lovely. Think on Jesus Christ. Keep your mind on Jesus Christ. You've got some sin in your life? Instead of, When you're thinking about that sin, say, I'm not going to think about that sin. I'm going to think about Jesus Christ. Because I was told not to look on the snake bite. I was told to look on the cure. And that cure is Jesus Christ. We tend to focus on the sin. We need to look at the Christ. We need to look at the Christ. I want to point out some things about this that these uh, Israelites probably did when they first got told about this. And a lot of this, I I got a lot of this out of a a book called Rightly Dividing the Word by Clarence Larkin. I recommend that book to every Christian. It's an old book written back in the 1920s. It's called Rightly Dividing the Word of Truth, and it's written by Clarence Larkin. You can find it pretty cheap anywhere online. You can find it at some bookstores. But in there he gives some of these points, and I want to point these out. And these are four excuses. These are four excuses that were probably used by the Israelites when they first heard about this. And these are the four excuses. I hear these four same excuses we're going to look at this morning. These four excuses, I hear these myself when I try to talk to somebody about Jesus Christ, when I try to witness to somebody about Jesus Christ. The first excuse people try to use is simply this. I think I have a home remedy that will work. Man, it looks like you've been bit. Are you okay? You've been bit by a snake. Oh, yeah, yeah. I got something at home. I think I got this home remedy that's going to (laughs) work. Now, brothers and sisters, I'm all for home remedies. Okay? There's nothing wrong with home remedies. Amen. You know, granny taught us to do this, and granny taught us to do that, and put a little bit of this on that, put a little cayenne pepper on that, and that'll heal it up. We all, I mean, I believe in home remedies, but let me be honest with you. I've seen some brothers and sisters that are so stubborn-headed like a mule that they'll just, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get over it. And they'll just sit at home, and I'll get over it. It's like, just go to the doctor and get the shot. Amen? Just go to the doctor and get a shot. You'll be amazed how much better you feel. No, I got this, I got this home remedy. If I can just do this. Oh, old, old granny so-and-so told me how to do it. Well, old granny so-and-so's in the grave. <laughs> Didn't work too well for her. Listen, just go get the shot. Stop being so stubborn-headed. Stop being so stubborn-headed. Just go get the shot. God, listen to me, guys. And I fought this, I fought this. I'm a diabetic, and I have all kinds of other ailments. I don't tell everybody about but listen to me. I fought this and fought this and prayed and prayed and prayed and fought. Like, Lord, I don't want to take those pills. I don't want to be on those pills. I don't want to take those shots. I don't want to do this, Lord. I don't, and I fought it and fought it. And I remember one morning, early in the morning, this is when God usually likes to talk to me, early in the morning, because that's before, I've had my, before I got real stubborn, you know. I'm driving to work, you know, half asleep. And I'm like, Lord, I don't want to take that medicine. I don't want to take that medicine. And the Lord t- spoke to my heart and said, when you have a headache, do you take, do you take an aspirin when you have a headache? Yeah. Ooh. All right, Lord, I'll start taking it. What the Lord has revealed to me, and I, I'm not trying to put some on you, that you do what you gotta do, amen. There's liberty in Jesus Christ. Y'all do what y'all want to y'all live like y'all wanna live. But what I found out, what I found out, what I understood through the Lord through the scripture is I give God all the glory for the wisdom that He's given the doctors and the nurses. When I got COVID, I was sitting at home, I'm not going to the doctor, I'm okay, (coughs) I'm all right. I'm not going to the doctor, I'm okay, I'm okay. And then I woke up one morning, I'm going to (laughs) die, oh, oh, I've never felt this way before, take me to the doctor, I'm going to die. And praise God, the doctor allowed me to come in, you know what the doctor started doing, shooting me, with stuff. Where do you want it? Anywhere you want to give it to me, doctor. In the arm, in the hip, in the rear end. I don't care. Just shoot me out. I'm about to die. I'm going to die. And I got over it, praise God. Who do you give the glory to? Jesus Christ. And I wrote that. And my wife can contest to this. I wrote that, doctor. A really I wrote a card. And I wrote the doctor a really nice card. I said, praise God for the wisdom he's given you. I thank God for you. I pray a blessing on you. Thank you for taking care of me. Y'all were a real blessing to me. Praise God. I give God all the glory and praise for that because He's given wisdom. Sometimes we get stubborn about it. When God says, There's the cure, well, I, I, I'm going to go over here and I'm going to do this work. And I'm going to start doing works. I'm going to try to work my way to God, I'm going to try to do some penance. I'm going to try to go to this. this, this new, new religious thing you can do. You can climb a mountain, and you can climb a mountain. And when you get up to the top of the mountain, you can, you, if you get up top, then God will show up. And God says, No, just, just look at the pole, and you'll be saved. Wonder men not like that. Men don't like that because that takes faith. God works through faith. Amen, He does. Second excuse people gives you, get, will give you, is like they probably gave Moses, is I don't trust it when I don't know how it cures me. Amen. That's how people are. Well, I, I don't understand how this works. I don't. Under, most of us in here don't understand how our car works, but we made our way to church this morning. Amen. Oh, we, some of us think we do, but we really don't. Ain't that right, brother Craig. I mean, we think we know, but we don't really don't. You just turn the key and you come on up here. That's how people do. Well, I don't. That don't make any sense. Just you just put your faith in Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Yeah. Well, how do you know that works? Cause it worked for me. <laughs> I, I, it works. Well, how do you know it works? It worked for me. How do you know it's working? You just. I can't explain how good this water is. You just got to take a tall, long drink of Jesus Christ and then you'll find out. But until you take a drink of Jesus Christ, don't tell me how it doesn't work. Cause he works. Because I took it I, by faith, prayed out to Jesus Christ to save me, and He saved me. How do you know you saved? I know it. I've been bitten. I recognized I'd been bitten by sin. I needed to be saved, and I got told by a preacher, "Look to Jesus Christ up on a cross. He's crucified. He's crucified for your sins. Look up there." And by faith, I just looked, and He saved me. Is it that simple? I don't understand it. It's that simple. But some people won't take it because it it, it just don't make sense to them. But brothers and sisters, I've been hammering this on Wednesday nights and hammering this on Wednesday nights. These are spiritual things that God does, and you cannot explain spiritual things. God is a spirit, and he must be worshipped in spirit and in truth. That's what Jesus Christ told the woman at the well. He told Nicodemus, that's what this whole thing's about in John chapter 3. He's telling Nicodemus, ye must be born again. And Nicodemus, thinking with the flesh, thinking physically, says, how am I going to climb back into my mother's womb and be born again? That doesn't make any sense because you're thinking of the physical and God's talking about the spiritual. Something spiritually happens when you take by your heart and by your mind, put your faith into Jesus Christ, something spiritually happens between you and God and he saves you. I can't explain it any more than that. Any more than I can explain how you're bitten by a snake and you look up at a pole with a snake on it and then you're saved. That's what happened and that's what was going to happen there. But some people won't take it. You remember the story of Naaman the leper? Naaman the leper, he went to the great prophet. And they told him, go to the great prophet. He'll heal you of your leprosy. He went to the great prophet. The prophet would even come out. And Naaman says, I, I was told you would heal me of my leprosy. Great problem. Go, go dip in the Jordan River, and you'll be healed. What did Naaman do? Naaman left, and Naaman got mad. Naaman said, I thought he would come out and put, place his hand on my leprosy and show, show me how to be healed. And he goes, I thought that's what he would do. And Naaman was mad. And he goes, isn't there better rivers over in, over in uh, my land Isn't there better rivers over there? Why should I go over to that muddy water of the Jordan River? And his servants, who had a whole lot more sense than Naaman, said, if the great prophet would have told you to climb a mountain and do some great thing, wouldn't you have done it? And Naaman said, yeah. He goes, well, just go do the simple thing of putting your body into the river Jordan. Okay, it's pretty simple. Naaman goes down, dips, dips. Dips and the seventh time, the Bible says Naaman came out and his flesh was like the flesh of a child. Wow. Faith. Faith. It didn't have nothing to do with that muddy water of Jordan, it had to do with the faith that Naaman had in God to do it. People won't accept it, they want to go their own way, they want to do the latest religious fads. Whatever it is outside of Jesus Christ. But I'm here to tell you, it's only through Jesus Christ. The third excuse they'll give is, I'll wait till tomorrow to see if I'm better. (laughs) That's what they'll do. Yeah, 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 I get that a lot. Well, today I don't really feel like it, but I'm not that bad. Maybe tomorrow I'll start feeling better. No, 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 it's not going to get better. Sin never gets better, brothers and sisters. Man and woman, whoever you are in this church, sin never gets better. It only gets worse. And you're here this morning, you might say, well, I'm not that bad. Well, just wait. I'm telling you, this gray-headed, bald-headed preacher's telling you, wait, because sin only gets worse. That's what makes sin so dangerous. It's just a little bite. Just a little. Just a little And then all of a sudden it starts getting bigger and bigger and your legs start swelling up and you start puffing up. Poor Sister Hoggett, she had just a little bit of ant bites. And two weeks later her leg goes, swells up like a melon. Just a little, little bitty ant. That's how sin is. And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it upon a pole, and it came to pass that if if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. When somebody puts off salvation and says, well, I'll just wait to get saved, they don't realize how serious this is. They don't realize how serious a bite they have. You know, everybody in this room has dealt with that, where they go into the doctor, and the doctor tells them something they don't want to hear. Amen? Uh, hey, something, you got this something serious? And you're like, well, I just think I'll just put it off. i just, I don't know, Doc. I don't know, I don't know. I don't know. I think I'll just, Doc, no, this is serious. I'm here to tell you spiritually speaking, and I'm a spiritual doctor according to the Word of God. I'm telling you spiritually speaking, I'm here to tell you that sin is serious. And don't put it off a day. Get the cure. It's simple. You don't have to understand it. I don't have to explain it to you. Get the cure. Look up at the cross and get saved. It's that simple. Another excuse they'll say is, is what about all those people that can't see the pole?" <laughs> Amen. That's what they'll do. Old brother Cobb, brother Ed Cobb. That's what he did to me. He come down from Chicago. Came down here chasing a woman down from Chicago area. Did he come from Illinois. He came down here chasing a woman, and he got down here living with a woman, and then they got to fight, and then she kicked him out, and he was up there working with me, and he's like, I'm going to go back to Illinois. And he started coming out to this church. Some of y'all might remember Brother Ed coming out to this church, and he wasn't saved. And uh, we got to talking one day at, the, at my house, and we got to talking about salvation, and, and he, you know what he told me? He said, you know what? He goes, what about all those people living on those four countries? What about them? Those that I hadn't heard, what about them? I said, "Well, God will get the answer. God will get the gospel to them, and that's what we're trying to do." Amen. God will get the gospel to them, but the question is not about them. The question is about you. You go to the doctor, and the doctor says you got something very serious with you, very, very serious with you, and you're going to die. Your heart would leap. You'd break into a cold sweat. He goes, "But I got, I got, I got a shot here. I'm going to give you, and this shot will keep you from dying." Let me just go in there and get it. Now, now, hold on, doctor. What about all those people over in Africa that, that don't have this shot? No, not one of y'all would say that, amen. Not one of you. You'd say, we're, we're, we're can- I'll follow you, doctor. Just let me follow you and you can give it to me in this. You wouldn't worry about nobody else. Save me right now. You need to worry about yourself. You need to get saved. This is serious business. Paul says today is the day of salvation. Is it? It should be, if you're not saved. And lastly, I want to point out, as f- another excuse they give, the fifth excuse, I, say, I guess, will be my word, my, my, doesn't look half, my wound doesn't look half as bad as my neighbor's. My wound doesn't look half as bad as my neighbor's. This is a famous one. Well, I'm not as bad as my neighbor. Yeah, I got bit, but look at where I got bit by that snake. It doesn't look that bad. But look at him. Oh, man, his leg's already swelling up and he's turning green. And boy, he needs to get some help. But, you know, I got bit yesterday. I don't look so bad. Yeah. yeah. But see, everybody who gets bit's going to die. Amen. Everybody who gets bit's going to die. And everybody in this room's been bit by sin. Everybody. You're going to die for the wages of sin, is death. But the gift of eternal life is through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The gift of God is eternal life. The gift. It's a gift. Just look at it. It's by faith. See, God doesn't care about you comparing wounds. And that's what what sinners do. I'm kind of bad, but I'm not as bad as he is, or I'm not as bad as she is, and I'm not doing all the stuff they're doing, I'm a pretty good old boy, I try to behave myself, I, I, don't, do I don't cheat on my wife, I pay my bills, I, I go to work every day, I take care of my family, I'm not that bad, I do a little bit of cussing, but I don't cuss real, real bad, And I try, see we try to compare our wounds to other people's wounds, and God doesn't care, you're wounded, you're bit, you're going to die, we're all sinners, we all need the cure, and somebody had to tell them, listen, You're going to die. You've been bit. You need to go and you need to look at the pole. And every Israelite that would go, and the Bible said, look at that pole, they would be saved. What was saving them? Was it the pole? What was saving them was their faith. And what God was showing way, way back in Numbers was he was showing something that's going to happen thousands of years later at the cross of Calvary. See, all these stories you're reading in Numbers, reading in Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus, and you're reading all through here, and Elijah and Elisha and Abraham and Solomon and David, you read all these stories and you're like, man, why is God putting all this down? Why does God write, he wrote all that down because it points to Jesus in one way or another. And if you look at these stories, what you'll find out, they almost always point to Jesus Christ and having faith in Jesus Christ. Just simple faith. So back in John chapter 3, I'll read it to you again. Now that we've seen that story that Jesus said, you don't have to turn there, but in John chapter 3, we'll read it again. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. They believed in the pole. They didn't die. They had life. you believe in Jesus Christ, you won't die. You'll have eternal life. That's what Jesus Christ is saying. Can I explain it? No. I can't explain all of it. All I can tell you is, look on Christ, lifted up, and you'll live. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. See, when Jesus Christ was hanging on that cross, He became the serpent. See, when Jesus Christ was hanging on that cross, he became cursed. Paul says when Jesus Christ was hanging on that cross, he became sin. So when Jesus Christ was hanging on the cross, he became sin, he became cursed. He said, my Father, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He's cursed. As all our sins were put on Jesus Christ as he hung there. Verse 18, in closing, He that believeth on him is not condemned. It's that simple, brothers and sisters. Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? You're not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Is it that simple? You mean, me not believing, God's going to send me to hell? Yes, that's what I'm telling you. Me not believing in Jesus Christ, God's going to send me hell simply for not believing? Yeah. They would die because they simply wouldn't look at a pole. And they died. It's that simple. It's as simple as looking and believing or not looking and not believing. Jesus Christ said it. He that believeth not is condemned already. If you don't know Jesus Christ, why not? Come on down. Get the cure. It's simple. I can't explain it all. I can show you scripture to tell you what God's going to do in your life. But I'm here to tell you, I tried the cure and it works. (laughs) Amen, it works. Hello friends, this is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at indiangapbaptist.com. On the internet, it's indiangapbaptist.com. But I have a question for you.